I want to talk about a guy named Bryce Harper. Now, if you are rooting for any other baseball team other than the Phillies, you probably can't stand him because he's really, really, really good. In fact, he's so good, somebody say, how good is he? There's a dad joke go right into making right there. He is so good that he just got a $330 million contract, lifetime contract to play, yes, baseball. And so that in itself is just an amazing thing. But what I want to talk to you, why would I talk about Bryce Harper, other than maybe envious of just one of his paychecks, and uh, is because there's a story that is circulating about him, and his parents share this story, and that is this. They knew he was, everybody thinks their kids are special, and most, and a lot of parents are deluded to think that my kid might play for the NBA or the major leagues or something like that, but kind of everybody around this kid, even at, at elementary school and middle school, knew something special was in the making. And so seventh grade, he had a tournament do that uh, coming up that weekend, and he cracked his aluminum bat. Somebody say, aw. Well, you're going to think he's nuts because that bat, even back then, you'd be talking probably 15 years at this point, cost 300 and some dollars. And so it's just like the kid was, the gift was there. They're trying to get it. Dad was in a blue-collar situation, uh, life, you know, uh, back and forth between um, some paychecks sometimes, no money. He owned, however, a lever action, a Model 94, some of you guys know what that is. That is a lever action. Picture a cowboy gun, like the, rif the rifles you see in the Wild Wild West movies. Uh, the dad owned one of those, and it was a special limited edition. It was something that was important to the family. He said, we don't have the money. I've got a gun. He went to a neighbor that collected guns and said, what will you give me for this? Said, took $500, said, thank you very much. Bought the bat, paid a bill, life moved on. Well, Bryce gets his first contract, and he goes tracks down that neighbor. He offers to buy back the gun, and the guy said, your dad gave me 500 That's all I want. And Bryce insisted on paying him $1,000 for it, so some inflation, good. And then that was the very last present that him and his siblings gave his dad that next Christmas. Is that cool? Wow, what a story. We are in a series called Church for Dummies, and we're moving through the book of Acts. And if you want some entertainment, read the book of Acts. It is awesome what is happening. And, and the reason why we're going through this is because the Acts is the beginning of the church. When we celebrated Pentecost last week, that is the birth of the church. Jesus left and said, you guys are it. Tag, you're it. You're going to do greater things. He literally said, you're going to do greater things than I've done because we get to have the power of God in each of us and go everywhere with that power and have God lead us. And so the birth of the church was then, we still be the church. And so tell your neighbor, don't be a dummy. We've been moving through the series. I love it. We're going to go into extra innings. Bad, bad dad joke right there. Little pun. We're going to add a couple other weeks because I think there's just so much there. So we have been going through this last month. Dummies try to follow God without people. We talked the first week about community. If you try to follow God without a faith community around you, 
you will likely not make it, and even if you do, it's not going to be a whole lot of fun, and you're really going to struggle. You need to walk through this. It's part of why we come together on Sundays. It's why we preach home groups and make them uh, connect groups, why we make them available. It's not just to get bonus points and to try to out-church another church. It's life-giving. You need other people in your life. Dummies also try to follow God without purpose. Andrew, ta- Andrew preached about that. We have got something to do. We've got to follow Jesus. He is going somewhere. He has a plan, and that's part of our vision statement. We want you to become attached to God's plan. You can make all the plans you want, but the Bible even teaches that those plans without considering God are foolish, and, and they're just going to waste your time and probably some other people's. And, and so we have, to, we have to live with purpose. Dummies try to follow God without purpose. Power. We talked about the Holy Spirit coming and empowering God's people. And so if you are trying to follow God without the power of the Holy Spirit, you're a dummy. And it is going to be frustrating. Don't tell your neighbor that. Uh, don't be a dummy. So today we're going to say that dummies try to follow God without praise. What am I talking about? Praise is this. Praise is talking about somebody else's good works. So if I tell you how amazing my dad is, and I can tell you that, I am praising my father. If your dog actually goes to the bathroom off the deck in the rain, you praise the stupid cockapoo because you want to encourage the good thing they just did. Oh, who's a good girl? Who's a good girl? Thank you for not peeing on my deck. Right? I'm praising the good work. I'm, I'm, I'm bringing it way down, but we want to take it way up. So praise. Now, what we do in, on Sunday mornings, we, we do praise and worship. That's a, a collective name for the singing that we do. And where the line is between praise and worship, okay. Um, anyways, praise is telling about God's good works. And so that's a lot of what we sing about is how good God is and the things that he's done. So we are praising him. It doesn't just mean that we're singing. It's any time we're saying something good. And it is one of the reasons why we sing. Does anybody like to hear people praise themselves? You're sure about that? Like for any reason, do you ever want to hear somebody say about something great that they did? It's never welcome, is it? Oh yeah, check out this, you know, yeah, it's it's me. I did that. That's like some people's whole Facebook life is like self-praise, self-praise. Go away. Now, I will praise my grandbaby, and there's a bunch of other idiots just like me out there praising their kids and praising, and even that gets old. Moms, find something else to do. My kid made the honor roll too. Okay. No, it's cool. What are we praising? No, we're, we're, we're talking about the good things that somebody does. That's what we like to do, and nobody likes to hear people praise about themselves. So go back to this story about Bryce Harper. If Bryce Harper told that story, oh, you, you ought to hear about this gift I got my dad. It was, it was amazing. Not interested. His parents told the story to ESPN. And then Bryce embellishes the part about his dad selling the gun. Do you see what happened there? And now, because the story is so good, ESPN writes about that story. 
That's praise, by the way. They're acknowledging this good thing that Bryce did, which is also includes a, a little piece about the cool thing that the dad did, selling the gun, the sacrifice, and then Bryce going back. And then here I am. I read that story a few months ago in a doctor's office, and I thought, Father's Day opener right there. Mostly because I'm mental. But two, because I'm like, that's a great story. And here I am today. Do you see how praise goes? It's because you, you see something that is good and you tell somebody about it. Dummies try to follow God without praise. I don't know about you, but I tend to forget about the good things God has done, especially when it rains in June four days in a row. And then I have to repent for complaining about the weather. None of y'all have been complaining about the weather. I know it. Y'all good people. Thank you, Jesus, for the rain. Whoever's doing that, stop. Because you're competing with my prayers. I want the sun to shine. But seriously, I tend to forget the good things that God has done is when the next trial that I face. And praise is my key out of that. Praise is, is, should be a constant part of our life where we are reminding ourselves of the good things that God has done. And then, oh, by the way, tell the other people in your life about the good things that God has done. I want to reach you one of the coolest, uh, probably one of the most important stories in the Bible. If you're going to go into your own Bible, uh, you know, physical or, or electronic, that's cool. We're going to Acts chapter 9. We're going to talk about Saul's conversion. And just like we call Ohio State the Ohio State, this is the conversion story of the Bible. So there's, there's conversion stories, and then there's the conversion story. This is it. Go to Acts chapter 9 with me. I'm going to read you more verses than I usually do because I can't, I can't shorten this. I'm going to read you 19 verses, and it, break, it tells, actually, I'm going to go to 21. How crazy is that? A pastor's going to read 21 verses in a row. And I'm going to listen to my wife because she always tells me I read the Bible too fast when I preach. I'm going to slow it down because she's smart and pretty. Here we go. Meanwhile, Saul, no, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus. Synagogue is another word for like temple, okay? Uh, synagogues in Damascus asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way. And that's what the Christian movement was called then, he, he, that he found. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. Paul was a bad dude. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I'm getting amens from somebody and I love it. That's so cool. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but they didn't see anybody. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. 
Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord spoke to him in a vision, said, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. Go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see. This is why we need to live with power, okay? Go, uh, laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias. I've said but Lord before too. I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priests to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and must be filled and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized, and afterward he ate some food and regained his strength. I want you to hear these last couple verses. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days, and immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying he is indeed the Son of God. Verse 21, we're ending with this. All who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem? Wow. Wow, wow, wow. This is the conversion story. And the point of today's message is that everyone has a conversion story. Now, Paul's can be intimidating. I remember as a kid, I grew up going to this church when it was Trinity, this building, moving across the street and and. You can talk to mom and dad. They'll tell you I colored outside the lines my share. But in generally, I, like, I stayed close to God, and, and I chose to love him at a young age. And I would say to people when I would hear these cool testimonies, I don't have one. I, I, didn't, you know, I didn't go crazy and, and, and come back. I was, I've always been a little crazy, but I, you know, I don't really have a story. Here's the thing. Everyone will have an opportunity to have a collision with God. And everyone needs their moment. We're going to have a baptism at the end of the service today, and it's, it's just one of the sweetest little girls that goes to this church. Her name is Brielle. And just like for my own kids, I can love them and teach them about Jesus, but at some point they have to have their own collision with God and choose to love Him on their own. You can't get by on somebody else's passion. Oh, that's another, another P. You can't. And so, no matter what your story was, whether you were deep end, I mean, you were gone, like a prodigal son kind of story, and you came back, or whether you were just kind of just bouncing around somewhere in the middle, but you finally locked on, you have a story of where your collision with God happened. And so your story is before that collision and after that collision. Before Jesus came into your heart and after. 
That's the difference that, that you should be sharing, and it should come out of you. So the first part of the conversion that we all have is this collision with God. The second part is Ananias. Well, I don't even know anybody named Ananias. No, you probably don't. For many of you, that was the first time you heard that name. But I can guarantee you that you have had people in your life that God has used to help you see the truth. Whether it's mom and dad beating it into you and dragging you to church, you're going to believe, you're going to believe. No, they didn't do that. But I was told, <laughs> I don't know, I'm wondering today. I was told repeatedly, this, this is how God wants us to do this. This is what Jesus would do. And then I was reinforced by Sunday school teachers and then from the pulpit and uh, from, from my pastor who's right there. And, 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 and these things would be reinforced. And so you think about part of your story are the people that God used to help you see the truth. Can you think of those people right now? I mean, you should have two or three that immediately come to your head, and then if you even pull back, you can see a supporting cast by God's grace of the people that have spoken truth into your life and helped you find Jesus and, and even to stay on the path, right? It's part of your story. We all have the Ananiases in our life. How about the scales? I think that sounds really, really creepy and gross, that after... Paul was laid hands on that things that were like scales fell off his eyes. That's gross. I once was blind, but now I see. Paul had a physical demonstration of what we all have spiritually, and that's the difference of being blind and being able to see. And it can be very frustrating to try to share God's love with blind people. Not literally. I mean, like, you want to, people that aren't seeing the truth, just like you're waiting for maybe uh, your kids, like the switch to come on. Oh, you mean if I keep my room clean, everybody's going to be happy. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, or if I don't spend all my money, then I might have some money left the day before. What? Crazy thoughts like that. You're waiting for the light switch to come on. But everybody has their moments with, with growing up and maturing, but then there's also that moment of spiritual awakening where the scales come off and now you see. That is a part of every Jesus follower's story. And it's why we love the words in the great, one of the greatest songs of the church, Amazing Grace, I once was blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I'm found. Those, those are two direct references to two of the biggest stories. This one with Paul, and there's a couple times where, where blind people were, he were healed by Jesus, but this story too included. And then, of course, the prodigal son of being lost and found. Why? Because we can all identify with those. Because if you have come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, if you've chosen to follow him and accept his forgiveness for your sins and let him lead your life, then you have gone through that transition of the scales falling off. And then I love it. I mean, you want to mess with some people's theology, the fact that he was baptized in the Holy Spirit before he was water baptized, but that's beside the point. I'm pretty sure God can do whatever he wants to do is really the short answer for that. But it says he got up and he was baptized. Listen to Romans 6-4. 
it says, for we died and we were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live with new lives. So, so baptism is one more picture of the scales coming off. A part of baptism is sharing in Christ's death and then sharing in his resurrection. It's amazing. And so, I mean, Paul's just like, I'm getting it, I'm getting it, I'm getting it. And so he's on like this crash course, like speed course of, of, of just flying through this. The light, I mean, the lights are just coming on. So I want to move through these few things. The first point is this. New man or woman. New person. Point number one, new man. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Part of your story, could somebody check the air and make sure we're running today? Um, I thought I said it, but I sure don't feel like it. Um, Part of all our stories becoming that new person. That's where that that's where we can now see, and that's and that's where our hearts have 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 switched over. And the Bible says that we become adopted sons and daughters with Jesus being the firstborn. How amazing is that? That God literally declares that we are his kids. New person. First one, new person. Number two, new man, new life. Verse 20 just said, and immediately. Somebody say immediately. He began preaching about Jesus. Paul went full speed in his previous path. He had his God collision. He had his moment. He became a new person, new path. New man, new life. And immediately he began preaching about Jesus. You probably will have the same job. God might change it, but he's going to have a new purpose for you wherever you're at, or you might know that he's sending you to something else. Um, all of a sudden, it's going to matter to you more on where you're going and what you're doing. And God has been that thoughtful for you. It says in the Bible, Behold, I know the, the thoughts of plans that I have for you. I have these plans for you. Does anybody want to follow the plans that God has for them? That's when it's fun. That's when it's productive. That's what I want to do. And I've spent a good amount of time doing my own thing, but I can sure tell the difference when I'm doing God's thing. And it's so much better for me. And so new man, new life. So number one is new man. Number two, new man, new life. Number three, new man, new life, new message. Listen again to verse 21. All who heard him we're amazed. And you hear this little phrase start off that says, isn't this the same man fill in the blank? I want to challenge us today that people around you and close to you should be saying something like, is this the same man? Is this the same woman? Now, maybe they've only known you during your church time or your, your, your Jesus-filled you know, life. Maybe. But if, if the people can't tell the difference before and after the God collision, I'm going to question your collision. I mean, I'm not going to argue with you, but like, 
Have, have you really let God set you free? Have, have you really let him crank open the valves? Have, have you let him really lead you yet? Because the people around you should say something like, oh, she different. What happened to her? What happened to him? I, I got to find out. It says they were amazed. Now, Paul here again, he's going to be like, you know, this is the, you know, class, you know, uh, what teacher's pet I mean he's like he's got the best story he's the hardest working he wrote over half the New Testament like I, I can't keep up with Paul but like the people in my life should still be like a little amazed <laughs> I think something's going on over there right there should be something coming out of our life praise Praise isn't just singing these three songs on Sunday and then a fourth one at the end. Praise isn't just the difference of lifting our hands up or, or, or we don't. And, and however you worship is, is totally fine with me, but there's a reason why some people have their hands up. It's there, God, take it. I mean, they're trying to like reach out and reach up to heaven and, and, and it just it feels when I'm really praising, my hands are up. It just happens. And try it if you haven't, but it, there's no have to there. But that's not just praise. Praise is when the things are coming out of my life, either from my words or from my actions, and other people say, something's going on. Something's going on. That's not how normal people would deal with that. He responds to offense differently. He responds to criticism differently. She responds to somebody being mean to her differently. Um, there's just a way this person, like I saw this person that was so happy. I, I work another job. I install signs. I was in this hospital. This guy there is so happy. He's either on something like chemical or he's on Jesus. I haven't asked him yet, but I'm going to. Not if he's on some chemical. I'm going to be like, do you love Jesus? I'm quite certain that he does just by the joy that he carries. He has a supernatural joy about him, and it's like, it's, 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 I'm amazed by it. Like, bro, we're all at work. Like, this is a good day, but you're happy. Happier than, like, a maintenance person should be. Like, you're, that's what I'm saying. It, it, it's amazed. I'm amazed at how he was at, at, acting. I'm winging this stuff, okay? Stay with me. The illustrations, I just let fly on Sundays, if you can't tell. Dummies try to follow God without praise. Praising is sharing, telling the people in your life about what God has done. I like to brag when my kids or my friends do something cool, you'll hear me talk about a good restaurant. You'll hear me talk about my parents. You'll hear me talk about what God is doing in my life because I like to share the good things that other people are doing, especially when they positively affect me directly, right? And so it should be a natural extension of, man, you should, God is just showing me this new thing. I mean, you got to do some lead-ins maybe. You just can't freak people out. But when the opportunity's there, say, I'm so thankful for what God is doing in this part of my life right now. Tell your neighbors, don't be a dummy. What does this look like on Monday? I'm going to close with this. What does this look like on Monday? Praise is for God. 
He likes it. He likes it when we praise him. The Bible is full of him responding to praise. He is, he, he really, really enjoys it. So that's part of the reason why we keep worship. I could do praise and worship for like two hours when I'm really like enjoying it. I mean, and that's why we do worship nights uh, when we can. And, and if you get a chance to go to like one night that comes to Columbus or, or to catch uh, like an elevation worship team or a Bethel team, some of the people that write most of the songs we sing, you will so much enjoy those evenings of worship. Um, it, you just, just go. Praise is for God. Get this, we've got to get this straight. Praise is for you. I don't mean that the praises are to you, but it builds you up. When you remind yourself of how, God, uh, how good he is, it says in Revelations, it says that we will basically win by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Our testimony is our story. That is praising God for what he has done in our life. Praise is a key to us walking in victory just ourselves. God loves it. It's good for us. Man, the other people in your life, even other Christians, they need to be reminded, or in some people's case, to even know that God is good. Because I see the same newscasts you all see. Most people are doubting whether God is good. Most people doubt whether he exists, and then they immediately say, well, if God does exist, then he must not be good because of whoever just died in their life of cancer or, or just the, the war in the world. I mean, pick a, pick a problem, right? And so people are desperate for good, accurate information, and you are the holder of that accurate information about what God has done in your life. I think it's cool. I mean, I shared that little version of that Bryce Harper story. Wouldn't it be cool to hear the mom and dad tell it or like the three of them together and then watch them like pump up the other person's part of the story and just to hear the extra details? Absolutely. Nobody knows your story better than you. So Monday, Monday looks like this. We find ways to praise God directly. And whether it's singing in your car like an idiot with the volume up in traffic and, and trying not to yell at the people around you. Oh. Give the praise to God. He loves it. Build yourself up. Remind yourself about the good things that God has done. And tell somebody, somebody's, about what God has done in your life. Dummies, try to follow God without praise. Can we pray this morning? This word is definitely meant to be encouraging. It's not meant to criticize you. It's meant to challenge us. But I would ask you this. Are there any thankful people in the house today? Heads are bowed. I'm assuming more than three hands are going to go up this. Who's thankful today? Thank you, Jesus. God, you are so good to us. You have taken care of us. Not, I mean, Jesus alone would be enough for us to praise you forever, what, what you did on the cross. But God, you've given me a family. God, you've given me friends. God, you've given me purpose. God, I have so much to be thankful for. Are you thankful today for what God has done in your life? Then the follow-up question is, 
Are you ready to tell God and others about how good he is? I think some Christians have a, have a bit of a praise hurdle in their life. They've never really crossed over that of, I don't know if I can really get that into singing. I'm, I don't sing. Um, I don't know. I would encourage you to go for it. And even if it's not singing, for you to start writing out, God, you've done this. You've done this. God, you, you healed my daughter. God, you healed my wife. God, you have, you have provided for me. God, you have done this. You have saved me. And man, when it comes to telling other people, I know you'll tell somebody about a good restaurant you just ate at. I know you'll be like me and tell somebody about how cute your grandkid is and how amazing your kids or your, your wife is. It should be that easy. This is what God did in my life. I'm so thankful. God can meet your needs. Father God, we thank you for this word today. God, would we be people that would remember what you've done? Would we be people that tell other people about what you've done? Would we be full of praise? Would this be a praise-giving, praise-loving church, God? That anybody that would, that would know us would know that God's up to something good. Could we fill the earth with some good news? Because we've got it. And we thank you, Jesus, for it. Amen. We're going to worship now. I'm going to go change and uh, we're going to do a baptism and so uh, let's stand and worship and uh, we're going to have prayer teams still up here if you want to respond to this message or you've got something else going on in your life or somebody else's life that you care about and you want prayer this morning please come ask somebody to pray with you don't be a dummy <laughs>